Welcome to Fire. Rachel, are you oh. gonna? <gasps> Theo's gonna do the intro. Really? Aren't you? You just started it. Usually, if I just start it, one of you is like, "Okay, okay, I'll do it," and then you do it. No, you do it. Okay. Get that start it worse, there, and then we'll stop you. Welcome to Fire. I think I'm gonna turn my. I think I'm gonna turn this up a little bit. Audience, Jackie's turning up her mic volume for the first time ever. <laughs> it's usually at zero, and you have to ADR everything. Okay. Welcome to Fire the King. Hello, 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 hello. I need to interrupt. Hello, 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 hello. Yeah, we already greeted each other. Sorry. Let's move on. <laughs> oh, I'm saying right. hello to the other 67 people that are here. She's, she's saying hello to each individual <laughs> audience member. <laughs> so nobody listen to this episode more than once because it will mess up the count. Okay, welcome Hello. to- <laughs> Hi. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Now I'm going to apologize to each individual audience member, is that okay? <laughs> no! Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness, in fact. Hello, welcome to Fire the Canon, the podcast where we read the books in the Western canon and decide, mm, do you belong? Do you belong? No. <laughs> Just every time, no. <laughs> Spoilers. In <laughs> uh, this episode, we're talking about Wuthering Heights. You guys ever heard of this book? Anyway, uh, let's introduce our hosts. On this side, we have Rachel, known to her friends as the Roach. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> no, <laughs> the accursed witch. Oh, sorry. On this side, we have Jackie, known to her friends as Jacko. Or the damnable no, the witch. The damnable okay. witch. You guys have your own Zoom name thing going on. I have my own nicknames for you. This is going to be a very confusing episode. <laughs> I wanted to continue Theo, with that I'm... whole. Shut up, Theo. I was. I wanted to continue with that whole like wrestling thing we had going. And in this corner, like like that. in one corner, yeah. Okay, then wrestle us. What are you going to do? You said then wrestle us. Yeah. Okay. Where can yeah, it go? Wrestle from us there? if you're going to continue the whole wrestling. No, yeah. I don't want to. No, it's me and Rachel. You're the MC. It's not me against both of you. That's not okay, a fair wrestle fight. Me. Yeah. No. 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 I say I, I introduce the two people in the corners and then I say I'm going to wrestle these two to death or whatever. I don't know. What are you doing wrestling? Theo has never watched wrestling. We just found out. I think we need Lindsay Kelk we back need on to the get Lindsay Kelk back. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, who are you? The one who's wrestling the two of us to the death. Well, typically, as we all know from wrestling. Wrestling, the producer is the one who wrestles the wrestlers to. So I'm the producer, Theo, <laughs> and I am the unearthly vision. Mm -hmm. Don't know what that means. I guess I'll get context later in the episode. Now, I have a question. Are people going to have so much fun listening to this episode that they don't <laughs> even realize they're learning? Why does she always want learning? us to say this tagline that I messed up one time? <laughs> you wanted this to yeah. be our new thing. You said our original one. It doesn't get the vibe across. You promised it doesn't get the vibe thing. across. The vibe we want you to get from this episode and every episode, hence listeners, is no fun. Learning only. Yeah, maybe it's time you learned a thing. Why have fun when you could learn? It's not fun at all, and you leave with less knowledge than you came. Um. So... What are we going to do next? I have an idea. I think we should finish talking about the book that we started talking about earlier. <laughs> I actually am excited to talk about this part because there's just some wild shit in this. I, we're going to get there. Okay. It's going to do it. Chapter 25. Wait, I want Theo to say what has happened previously. Get the audience caught up in case they're just joining us for the third ep. Don't forget the dead rabbits. I know you always forget that part. Okay, so there's a man named Lockwood who's gone to Wuthering Heights or maybe Thrushcross Grange. I'm not really sure. But he goes there and talks to some people. He meets an old man named Heathcliff who's really just a grump. Actually, he's like 38 or something. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I, I'm starting to think of him as old as well. He might be like 41, but he's definitely not that much older than we are. I, I feel like anyone who has a close friendship with a ghost is probably pretty old. Anyway, 
Moving we'll on. Say that to Haley Joel Osment. Nice one. But you fucking spoiled the sixth sense for me yet again. <laughs> yeah. I was talking about AI. Yeah. Every Well, she spoiled it for me multiple times. And every time I just have to go and give myself like the little eternal sunshine treatment. And then uh. I think, Rachel, don't do that again because that was traumatic and, and bad for my relationships and every time. <laughs> eternal yeah. sunshine of the spotless minding you. Yeah. Yeah. And it really solidified Charlie Kaufman as one of the great screenwriters also when you kept doing that. I know. Um, and I just haven't had time to watch The Sixth Sense. And every time she just really ruins it. I wasn't talking about the sixth sense. I, I said it was an AI joke. But there are no ghosts in AI, as far as I'm guessing. There kind of are, though, actually. <laughs> <laughs> like robot ghosts. <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah. So, Unlockwood, then he is just, I think he's all right, but people just don't like him. So, then he ends up talking to Nellie for a long time. Nellie is, I don't know, some lady who knew Heathcliff when he was younger and also knew Kathy. Kathy is now a ghost, but she was once living. Um, Unlike most ghosts. Kathy and Heathcliff, oh my <laughs> gosh, they loved each other, but they just couldn't be together for reasons I don't fully understand. Um, but And then Heathcliff is all about revenge. So he had this brother named Hindley. Oh my gosh. Hindley. Sort of. Did I get that wrong? Kathy's brother. Uh, oh, stepbrother. He was raised with Hindley, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Hindley, gosh, like Hindley kept like trying to clawed his eyes through a window or something. There's a lot of stuff through a window. <laughs> Can someone else just do the summary? I don't remember it very You're well. doing, You're doing a pretty, pretty good job. job. Okay, yeah. okay. And so Hindley eventually dies and Kathy dies. She just sort of wastes away. Oh, It I, seems like he's just guessing, but he's always right. He's, it's yeah. like, this person dies and, the, and this person dies? But Kathy, the thing about Kathy is she had married a man named Edgar, who I don't see anything wrong with either. Um, wow, Theo's doing great. Edgar is still alive, right? Yeah. Edgar is mm-hmm. still alive. He uh, outlives Kathy. Um, so now it's just Heathcliff and Edgar and Nellie who are alive. And Heathcliff, gosh, he wants to do some like neck, the, 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 he wants to mess with the next generation and make. You don't remember their names though, right? Catherine. Yes. Glick. Uh, Linton. Linton. What? The little boy Linton, Linton is so Heathcliff. weak and pathetic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he sounds like Donald Trump sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> He's a lightweight. He's so low energy. Real loser. Yeah. I never would say it, but other people have said it. So. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and there's the one other boy. Who's the other boy? Hareton. And Hareton is Hindley's son. Yes. Yeah. And Hareton is like. He's very special. He's a great kid, but Heathcliff <laughs> wants to destroy him. So he's trying to make Catherine be in love with Linton and Hareton. Hareton be in will love be upset. Oh, Hareton also be in love with Catherine, but like she ain't gonna get with him. She likes Linton. So am I done? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And if he Good makes job. if he can get Catherine to marry Linton, he will acquire all of the property there is to be had. And that's how you spell revenge. Wow. That was all part of a spelling bee at which we said, Theo, your word is revenge. Revenge. (laughs) All right. (laughs) No, that was correct. So Heathcliff is trying to kind of low-key hide how sick Linton is because he thinks that if people realize how sick and and weakly and— How sickly and weak and frail Linton is, then the marriage won't go through. And the idea is that Linton is going to die very soon. And so as long as he can get Catherine to marry Linton, he knows Linton's going to die pretty soon. And then Heathcliff will then own everything. So that's kind of the idea. The thing is, Heathcliff would still own 
all the property, even if they didn't get married. Mm -hmm. But if they get married, he also owns all of Catherine, like everything she has, because it would go to her husband. Whereas if she's unmarried when her father dies, she gets like a pretty big chunk of money. Mm -hmm. So he wants the land and the money. And revenge. Yeah. So, Rachel, do you want to go ahead and jump into the plot? Chapter 25 through 34. So, all right. So, chapter 25 starts out um, kind of out of the action, and Mr. Lockwood is talking with Nellie about the story she's been telling. And Nellie says, how come you smile every time I mention Catherine's name? And how come you wanted me to hang up a picture of her? And how come you wanted me to tell all these stories about her? And then Mr. Lockwood, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, is just like, you're right, I am in love with her. But how could she love me? What? Which is, yeah. yeah. He's right. Catherine, <laughs> this this mean woman he just met one time who made fun of him for not knowing what dead rabbits were and then wouldn't offer him tea. Okay, that, okay, Catherine. Okay. Yeah. For some reason, I was thinking you were saying Kathy, and I was thinking like, yeah, of course she's not going to be in love with you. You ripped her wrists on the glass shard. The window. <laughs> you're right. I am in love with also, that Also, she's already got two men to deal with. Yeah, doesn't need yeah. any more. Okay, so you're talking about Catherine, the little daughter. I guess she's not little anymore. The, well, she's like 18, 19 yeah. years old, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, hmm. So he met her one time. Nellie is just really meddling, right? She's his housekeeper? Yeah. Why is she accusing him of this? Because he said, can you please hang her portrait up in my bedroom <laughs> so I can look yeah. at it? <laughs> and she starts to slowly put all the pieces together and is like, and why this? And why that? And he goes, yeah, fine. I'm in love with her, whatever. But she wouldn't love me back. And also I'm kind of tired of being in the small town. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to go back to the big it's town Like soon, I probably so don't continue. have enough time never... for her to like me back anyway. So let's not worry about it. <laughs> he's just totally casual about it. And then he's like, continue. And she's like, okay. Doesn't really get brought up again. <laughs> it doesn't? It does. Um, not really. I mean, not in an important way. I mean, this wasn't important either. It was just like, <laughs> by the way, it gets brought up again, but it's not part of the plot. Let's put it that way. When a character falls in love with another character, there sh it should become plot part of yeah, the plot. Yeah, when the narrator yeah. falls in love, <laughs> yeah, it would matter. Right. <laughs> He's the most unimportant narrator I've ever seen. Oh. Yeah. So that's the opening to chapter 25. Yeah. Continue, Rachel. Okay, so um, Nellie's like, we're getting caught up. We're like a year in the past now, basically. And she says that Edgar is getting more and more sick, but he's starting to get used to the idea of Catherine marrying Linton. And he asks Nellie her opinion, and she's like, as long as Catherine's not a fool, she'll be able to boss him around so it will be fine, except he's definitely going to die. Okay. But she's like, I don't want to say too many bad things about Edgar because he's about to die and it could just make him upset. So anyway, Edgar writes a letter to his nephew and says, hey, come visit our house. But Linton says, I'm not allowed to visit your house. So hopefully we'll just run into each other while we're on walks. The two people who are both like extremely ill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe we'll just run into each other on the moors in the four miles between yeah. our home. <laughs> And so they start exchanging letters back and forth. At one point, Linton says to Edgar, like, yeah, it's true that I suck and I'm not good enough for your daughter, but she's okay with it. So 
you should be okay with it too. <laughs> Nellie is noticing, she's reading the letters and she says like, these are really good letters, but I'm sure it's because Heathcliff is controlling what Linton's allowed to write and won't let him complain because this boy really sucks and his personality is bad. And if he was allowed to write anything he wanted, it would just be annoying. So he admits in the letters, I suck and I'm not good enough for your daughter. And Nellie thinks he's being way Wait, too these positive. These are really good letters. Yeah. This is too good to be true. <laughs> <laughs> Nellie hates Linton. Well, he's the only one she didn't get to raise. Yeah. That's oh. true. Man, I hope she never meets any other children. <laughs> yeah, right. So chapter 26. Catherine is allowed to visit with Linton as long as they stay outside. But on their first trip, they're like looking for him and they don't find him. So they keep going on and on. And it turns they're supposed out. supposed to meet halfway, but he just sits there like a quarter of a mile from his house. <laughs> yeah. And so when they see him, Linton looks really, really terrible, like so bad. And he, while they're talking, he falls asleep. And Catherine is like, uh, why are we here? He's asleep. Let's just go. This is being annoying. My dad's dying. I'd rather be with him. And then he like wakes up and he's like, please, if anybody asks how I'm doing, please tell them that I'm doing so well and I'm so healthy. And then Nellie gets, you know how, so in the previous couple chapters, she had said like, ugh, that stupid kid, he's not even going to make it to adulthood. Everybody's just hoping that he's going to be rid of him soon. But so now she's super rude, like right to his face. And she's, she said, you are not fit for a ramble outside this morning. It's just such an English way of insulting someone. Saying that they're not fit to ramble. You're not fit for a ramble. Yeah. <laughs> Catherine's kind of trying to fool herself a little bit. I think she's being a little bit too optimistic and she's like, I don't know. I mean, I think he does kind of look better than last time, right? Like, tell me you're better, right, Linton? Aren't you much better than before? And he bursts into tears and says, yes, better, much better. Very convincing. <laughs> yeah. Like if, if you were going to try to convince somebody that you were much improved from last time. I try to hold the tears back. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Just saying. Yeah, Theo gets it. <laughs> Stiff upper lip. Okay, so chapter 27 Nellie is talking to Edgar and he's like, isn't he okay? It'll be fine for them to get married. And she talks about how like, no, I purposefully didn't tell him how bad this kid is because it'll only make him depressed. So every chapter, every conversation she has with Edgar. But why doesn't she tell him? Because she's saying at least now he'll get to die happy that his daughter is going to get married to someone that he likes as opposed to him thinking, well, I die and my daughter is going to be all alone in the world. But does she not realize that if Catherine marries Linton, then Heathcliff just gets everything he wants? She she knows that, but she doesn't care. She just wants Edgar to well, die happy. Well, if she marries—I guess she's thinking if she marries him, she'll have a place to live at least. And if she doesn't, she'll be homeless. Really? But she would have the money from her dad. I mean, it's hard to be a, a single woman, you know, a single teen at this time. Mm. So Catherine goes back to visit Linton another week later and there's more crying and he's talking about how scared he is of what's going to happen if she like talks about his sickness and that he's really afraid of Heathcliff. So Heathcliff shows up and at this point he definitely heard Linton crying because it was happening right next to him, but he totally ignores Linton and asks Nellie her opinion of him. And Nellie says, yeah, he's too sick and needs a doctor. And then he says, well, how's Edgar doing? And she says, Edgar's dying. And he's like, okay, great. As long as Linton survives until he dies, then we're in good shape. 
And Linton is, he begs Catherine to take him back home because otherwise Heathcliff is going to do it. And he's really scared of him. So she's like, all right, okay, I'll walk you home. Yeah, they they all walk back to Wuthering Heights together. And it's at this point that Heathcliff traps them in the house and like bars the door. And it turns out that this was all a ruse just to get Nellie and Catherine into the house, which they were not supposed to go into. Remember, they were supposed to stay outside and meet Linton, but he used his frailness and his wiles and trickery and got them inside. And Heathcliff announces that... Uh, is it Heathcliff or is it Linton that says this? But one of them says, basically, we are going to be married tomorrow morning because it's probable that Linton isn't going to live much longer than that. So the wedding has to happen now. <laughs> yeah, I think that's Heathcliff. <laughs> Catherine says, my dad is dying. Like, she's very, very loyal and loving of her father. And she's like, he's dying. I need to go back and be with him. Like, I don't care. I'll marry him right this instant if you'll just let me go home tonight. Wow. And he says, no, you have to marry him in the morning. Why does he say that? Because he's just mad at Edgar? I don't know. <laughs> he's just weird. And then also she's like, well, can can Nellie please tell my dad that I'm okay? And they won't let her. And he says, nope. And she's like begging Heathcliff and, and saying, please, I'm so sad. Won't Like, you're my uncle or whatever. She's like, can't you please just, just let me tell my dad, please don't do this to me. Yeah. And she tries to hug him and he goes, I'd rather be hugged by a snake. What? <laughs> he says, I detest you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hmm. What kind of a snake, Heathcliff? Like, there's many different kinds of snakes you could be hugged by, and I would definitely rank them in terms of, like, most huggable to least huggable. I mean, I think if, like, a python is hugging you, you're kind of in trouble. That's the least huggable snake. Yeah, nobody wants to hug that. That means it's, like, constricting you, right? And you're dying. I mean, I guess it's the most huggable and the least huggable, depending on how you... Yeah. I like my hugs to end in survival. So to me, that's not a very huggable snake. This is your final hug. Oh, you love (laughs) hugs, do you? (laughs) Free hugs. (laughs) I have an unlimited supply. Free hugs. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, but Catherine's thinking, if nobody goes and tells my dad that I'm alive and that I haven't, like, been kidnapped or fallen into the marsh or something, he's going to die just of stress, basically. He's so delicate. So she really, really wants someone to be able to tell. And Heathcliff says, no, he's just going to think you're sick of him. So you're running away because you want some freedom. Which, of course, he's just saying to hurt her. Isn't he going to die of that then? Yeah, he'll probably die of that. He'll die of whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he'll die of literally anything. I think he's just trying to think of like ways to torment her mentally even more. Yeah. Wow. So they don't get married the next day, I think, or they they do, but they she's do. separated from Nellie, so we're not sure. Yeah. So I guess Nellie presumes that at some point they are married off, but she's locked up in a room and she's stuck in there for five nights and four days. And Hareton brings them food, but whenever she tries to talk to him, he just says nothing and runs away. So that's the end of chapter 27. I think at one point she's talking to Linton and he's telling her his plots and just like complaining about, um, he's complaining about Catherine. Like at one point, Catherine tries to bring him a cup of tea and he scolds her because her tears are falling into it. And he's like, I'm not going to drink that. Go get me another one. Stop crying into all my tea. They had to say that to me a lot when I I worked at the- I kind of feel like- you could cry somewhere else, you know? I mean, how big was the teacup? He gets his point. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I get you're crying and I'm, I feel for you, but like, the teacup Haven't is pretty Haven't you ever small, cried like but... a cartoon character where the tears just like fly out of your face in every direction? Oh, yeah, I guess I, <laughs> and I imagine that's what's happening to her. <laughs> Projectile and then at another point, Nellie is talking to Linton and he's like, we're going to get married and this is why it has to happen. And Nellie says, you think that beautiful young lady will tie herself to a little perishing monkey like you? Oh. 
She's not a very little nice. perishing monkey on a stick. Oh no! <laughs> Isn't that a great insult? I think Nellie's a great character. She's not always right. She's but she's a great mean. character. <laughs> she's mean to Linton. So, chapter twenty-eight: the female servant Zilla, who we heard about in the beginning, she shows up and she sees Nellie and she's like, "Oh my gosh." Good thing you guys are saved. Uh, Heathcliff's been telling everyone that he saved you guys from a hole. Wasn't that nice of him? What? What hole? <laughs> like they fell into a hole in the marsh. And like he's been telling people in town, they yeah, they were stuck in a marsh hole for like four days and he pulled them out and they're recovering at his house. That would have been awesome if Heathcliff had done that. I know. <laughs> it would have been <laughs> awesome. I, I would have praised him. Okay, so she goes downstairs, and when she describes Linton, she says, basically, like, he's just sitting there just eating a piece of candy, smugly eating candy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so he's eating a bunch of candy, and at this point, he he seems to somehow have been turned against Catherine because he's like, my dad said that she's only marrying me because she wants my money and she doesn't love me and she never did and she just wants my money. Yeah, this is very clearly like brainwashing. And Nellie's like, what are you talking about? Why would she do that? She came to the house because she cares about you and she didn't even know that you had money. Yeah. Get over yourself. Why would you start believing your dad now? And Nellie is like, don't you, didn't you love her at any point? Like, don't you have any softness for her? Her and he says, I can't be around her. She cries so loud at night, I can't sleep. Mm -hmm. He's one to talk. Isn't he a big crier too? He is. He's a huge oh, crybaby. Yeah. Yeah. All Lintons are huge criers. He's got that Linton blood. Yeah. Tears flow in his veins. Oh. So, so Linton and Catherine at one point have a fight where she has a locket and inside there's a picture of her mother and a picture of her father. And he sees that and he grabs it and he orders her to give him the picture of her mother. Then Heathcliff comes up and he sees what they've done and he takes the picture of Catherine and then he steals the picture of her father and like stamps on it and crushes it and leaves. Jeez. So the pictures in the locket were Catherine and her husband, Edgar. He stamps the Edgar picture and takes the Catherine picture. Kathy, right? The Kathy picture, yeah. Why does he take the Kathy picture? Because he was in love with her. Do you mean why did Linton want it at first? Uh, yeah, I thought you said Linton did this. Linton takes it at first and then Heathcliff shows up and takes it from Linton uh, and see. then destroys the picture of Edgar. I, see. I think he wanted it because his dad was like, yeah, when now that she's your wife, all of her stuff belongs to you. And he was probably jealous Including that she had portraits of parents that yeah. loved her. Yeah. yeah, that was actually the saddest part to me. I know there's other sad parts, but for some reason, that scene of, of him destroying the picture of Edgar in the locket, I was like, you can't just get another picture, you know? Mm. You can. I can't just, like, go to Edgar's Facebook page and, like, print another one. Like, that was her only little picture of him. Well, there are other pictures of him at the house. Not locket-sized. They, yeah, they just get someone to do it, or she does it. Young ladies were good at painting. She's very artistic. No, it's hard. <laughs> okay, so I guess it wasn't mean if Heathcliff to smash the picture. It's mean, but mind. I'm telling you, if you're feeling bad, it's not that hard to get another one. I mean, Nellie is an unreliable narrator, so. Yeah, she is. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we even talking about this book, then? <laughs> okay, so they let Nellie free, and she runs back home to Edgar and says, We were stuck in a hole in the marsh, but we're okay now. <laughs> yeah, Heathcliff yeah. <laughs> saved us, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> so Edgar is talking to Nellie, and he says, I would like to put Catherine's money in a trust so that it doesn't go to her husband. So it'll be a trust for her use and her children's use. So let's call a doctor and a lawyer. And unfortunately, the lawyer takes a very long time to show up. So Catherine shows up and she runs up to see her dad and talks to him. And he he dies very happily in her arms and says, like, I'm going to Kathy and then someday you'll come to us as well. And then he dies and 
Catherine is very, very, very sad. Spooky thing to say at the end. Mm-hmm. Do you think Kathy was excited to see him? Yeah. yeah. She Well, the first thing she said was like, is my dad oh, you still mean Kathy? alive? Oh, the dead no, Kathy. No, he said Kathy, yeah, the dead guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I think she, was, she liked him Do you him think her puddle of goo sat up and was like, hey. Oh, he made, he made it. it. <laughs> She's like, oh, yeah. I wasn't sure if you were going to get buried with your family or with me. Yeah. Thanks for choosing me. But it turns out the reason the lawyer didn't show up is that he was like in Heathcliff's pocket and Heathcliff had paid him he had not to bought. show up. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Chapter 29. Catherine and Nellie ask Heathcliff if they can take Linton with them and keep living at Thrushcross Grange. But Heathcliff says, no, I want to rent it out. And also I want all my children around me, which is weird because he hates them all. <laughs> but he tells Catherine... Or she she says at first, you want us to hate each other, but we're not going to. And he's like, I'm not going to make you hate each other. He, he's going to make you hate him because my son is terrible. And she's like, look, I know he has a bad personality because of you. But luckily, I have a good personality. So I forgive him and we're going to love each other and get along and be as happy as we can. Oh, no. For the next 20 minutes until yeah, he dies. Basically. Like, she really doesn't have to keep this promise for very long. And she knows that. Right. <laughs> so Edgar ends up getting buried next to Kathy. And Heathcliff, for some reason, tells Nellie, yeah, I opened her coffin and she looked great. She looked the same as ever. This is the most bizarre part of the entire book. Heathcliff says to Nellie, I looked at the dead Kathy's body. She never looked better. Yeah. When Edgar was being buried next to Kathy, I opened her coffin and she looked fantastic. Huh. And Nellie said, weren't you afraid that she would look all mushy and stuff? And he goes, no, well, I mean, it's been a while, so I expected that. But, you know, looked great. It's very weird. Huh. He says, actually, if she... Okay, let me see if I can explain this, because the way he says it is convoluted. Why does he admit to this stuff? Like, who just goes up and has a casual conversation like, hey, guess who I saw today? Nellie just has one of those faces, I guess. She definitely does. <laughs> that makes yeah. you want to tell her everything. You can tell me anything. I won't tell everything you say to Lockwood later. Wink, wink. Uh-huh. <laughs> wink, wink. I'm doing it now. Nellie is exactly the kind of person that if you were to talk with her now, like, she would definitely scream chat your snap conversation she wouldn't even be ashamed of it yeah yeah and she'd oh send gosh. it to mr lockwood okay so <laughs> he turns to nelly and she says for lack of a better word i must say that he had a smile basically and he says listen to what i did yesterday i had the sexton take the the dirt off kathy's coffin lid and opened it i thought once i would have stayed there when I saw her face again, it is hers yet. He had hard work to stir me, but he said it would change if the air blew on it. So I struck one side of the coffin loose and covered it up. Not Linton's side, damn him. She looks the same because basically she's she's kind of buried in the peat, which has like a preservative effect on bodies. Yeah. Presumably. So she's almost been kind of mummified a little bit, but yeah. well, okay. But he's doing this with the sex in there. Yeah. Like, there's another person there. He's not just there by himself. He bribed, it, yeah, he bribed him to let him look at her dead body. And he also bribed him. He said, I bribed him so that when I die, they're going to take the sides out of both of our coffins so that our bodies will mingle together. By the time Linton is buried, he won't be able to tell which of us is which. Do you think the sexton was like... I've always wanted to be bribed and I just got into the wrong line of work because no one ever wants to pay me to do anything outside of the ordinary. But now, yeah, now, finally, nice. I have a weird request. This Heathcliff guy is lining my 
pockets. Yeah. 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 You can come up with some more weird things. You start a Patreon. Like, for $3 a month, I'll remove the partition from the, your grave and your true love's grave. Or Yeah. So they're, they're getting buried right next to each other. They're not supposed to be, but yeah. but the undertaker agrees to do that. Okay, so there's still going to be some like dirt in between them, but they're they're going to sort of seep into the dirt and mold together. Yeah, their plan is basically he's going. They're both going to liquefy, and then nobody's going to be able to tell them apart anymore. So if someone does discover that Heathcliff's remains were placed there, they wouldn't be able to like separate them and take them apart. That, maybe that should be one of our Patreon. Yeah, uh, like for a hundred dollars a month, you get to be buried with all of us in our mass grave. Yeah, and and you get to sort of fuse with us for eternity. <laughs> yeah, for eternity. Nice. Another funny thing is that Nellie says. So this is when she says, "What if you had dug up Kathy and she was a pile of mush?" And Heathcliff responds. That would have been great. I would have been even happier. That would have been better. Yeah. Why? Just loves mush? Because he said, she was like, how could you disturb the disturb the dead like that? And he says, I didn't disturb her. And in fact, I gave myself peace because I was able to dream that I was dead lying next to her. And then she says, what would you have dreamed about if she was dissolved into mush? And he's like, I would have been able to dream of myself also dissolving and I would be even happier. <laughs> but then he says, but actually, I'm glad that she waited for me to get there there before she started dissolving. Yeah, he thinks of it like she's kind of just hanging on for him. <laughs> yeah. He says that the night that in fact, the night that Kathy was buried, he started to dig her up and was planning to just like get in the coffin with her, but before he had raised the lid, he felt her ghostly presence like surrounding him like on top of him and he was like oh she's trying to give me peace so he buried her back up and left notably the only man in in the history of western literature ever to feel a ghost on top of him and think ah she's trying to calm me down yeah (laughs) (laughs) but so he says that he he always felt like he would see her around the house, but the problem is it wasn't soothing for him, and he wasn't able to sleep in her room because every time he closed his eyes, he would tell himself, oh, she must be right here, like she's got her head on the pillow too, or she must be sitting in her chair. So he said every time he closed his eyes, he would immediately open them again to look for her. So he just he's literally unable to sleep if he's in her bedroom. Hmm. Which kind of makes you think, so is he, he really seeing her ghost or is he just like sleepy, hallucinating from lack of sleep and crazy with grief? So he takes Catherine with him back to Wuthering Heights and he says Nellie's not allowed to visit. There is a quote that I wrote down. So when he is talking about how he wants the two of them to hate each other, she says, you have nobody to love you. And however miserable you make us, we shall still have the revenge of thinking that your cruelty arises from your greater misery. You are miserable, are you not? Lonely like the devil and envious like him. Nobody loves you. Nobody will cry for you when you die. I wouldn't be you. And that's, I think it's a little harsh. (laughs) I'll have the satisfaction of knowing that you're miserable because of all the bad stuff that's happened to you. What do you think, Theo? (laughs) I've just never thought of the devil as being lonely. And envious. Yeah. I mean, it's lonely at the top. At the bottom. Does Jackie know where hell is? Yeah, the top, the bottom. I I don't know. (laughs) It's lonely at the top and the bottom and in the middle. (laughs) We're all really lonely. But yeah, that's mean. I wouldn't want someone to say that to me, but I also don't think I would have done the Heathcliff stuff too. <laughs> you don't want someone to say to you, no one loves you. You're l- lonely and envious like the you're devil. You're die alone. <laughs> no yeah. one will cry for you when you My die. My revenge is that you're miserable. <laughs> I mean, at some point you would feel sad at first, but then it would sort of turn into like, this is so weird what they're saying. Maybe this is just kind of funny. <laughs> Maybe right? it's going to be funny. It's just so. Yeah. So when Lyndon finally dies, 
Catherine stays in her room for weeks without coming down until one day Zilla says, hey, Heathcliff won't be here today. You want to come down? She's like, yeah, sure. So Zilla tells Hareton, hey, your cousin's coming down, so maybe you shouldn't play with your guns and maybe you should comb your hair a little bit. And she can tell that he wants to, to look nice for Catherine. So she helps him get a little bit cleaned up. Kind of like Nellie helped Heathcliff look nice for Kathy years ago. Exactly. So they both try to talk to Catherine when she gets there, but she rebuffs them. And she says, I've wanted a kind word from both of you for weeks and you never gave me anything. And now that I don't need you anymore, you're trying to talk to me? No, thank you. Whoa. But she still hangs out downstairs. She's that lonely. As lonely as the devil. Well, so, yeah. So she sits down there and decides to just, like, read to herself. And Hareton is being a total creep and just sits behind her and is, like, mesmerized by her curly blonde hair. And at one point, he, like, reaches out and grabs one of her curls very lightly. And she, like, whips around. He touches it. He he touches (laughs) it. He doesn't yank it, but he's just, like, bonk. Yeah. Yeah. But she feels it or notices or something. And she whips around and she's, like, get your hands out of my hair. She's not into it. So Hareton sidles over to Zilla and says, can you please ask Catherine to read aloud, but don't say that I wanted it, say that you wanted it. I don't want her to know that it's me. And Zilla goes, yeah, 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 sure. Hey, Kathy, um, Hareton wants you to read to him. She immediately turns and says, Catherine, Hareton would like you to read to him. Right. Mm-hmm. People do that shit. <laughs> I feel like this has happened to you before, and that's why you're not smiling at this at all. You're just like, that yeah. has happened. <laughs> I think it was funny. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> Yeah, people do that shit. What can I say? Okay. (laughs) Fia's like, I can't laugh at that. It's too real. All right, let's move on. (laughs) So anyway, she doesn't want to read to him because she doesn't like him. And Nellie feels really bad for her because it's clear that she has no allies in the house, that because she was so cold to them after they didn't help her at all with her dying husband, they think that she's really terrible, even though like she had a totally understandable reaction. So she feels so bad for poor Catherine and her goal is to buy a cottage where the two of them can live together, but she's like, I don't think Heathcliff would let her go. So when Lockwood hears this, he's so angry that he decides he's going to immediately move away. <laughs> he's not going to help anyone. He's just going to move away. I can't handle being here another winter. I'm in love with that girl that I met once, and I better get rid of this place. I'm in love with that girl, but she'll never but know she'll it. she'll never know it because I'm leaving forever. Nice. Okay, so chapter 31, Lockwood, he's going to pay for the rest of the lease, but he's not going to live there anymore. So he goes to Wuthering Heights. So he visits Wuthering Heights and he has a letter from Nellie to Catherine. But when he first gets there, he talks <laughs> for like a paragraph about how hot Hareton is. And like, hmm, I couldn't help but notice his hotness. But when he first met him, he didn't think he was hot at all. He was like, oh, he's dirty. Yeah, but he's like, now I see that he's actually very hot, but he's like trying oh, to gosh. play it down. Does that happen? So like you become attracted to one person and then you realize oh, my rival is hot. He's also hot. <laughs> I didn't realize how hot my rival was until just this second. Yeah, I guess. I guess hearing this story about how everyone's like, wow, Hareton is so great, but... Heathcliff is, like, not letting him achieve his potential. Yeah. Well, the problem with Hareton is that, yeah, he can't read because Heathcliff hasn't let him learn anything. So he's very dull. And, in fact, he's, like, his lack of intelligence kind of shows on his face. Like, he he can't participate in conversations and he just kind of, like, stares. He's just not an interesting person because he lacks literacy, I guess. And he's very dirty and, yeah. yeah. But his exact quote is, 
the fellow is as handsome a rustic as need be seen. So he's saying like mm. he's that farmer kind he's of hot. That, yeah, that that yeah. that illiterate farmer next door kind. Everyone likes that kind of hot. So Lockwood arrives at Wuthering Heights with this little letter from Nellie, and he goes up to Catherine and drops it on her knee, pretends he's just going over to the window, doesn't look at her, and very slyly places this envelope on her dress. And he, like, Mm -hmm. congratulates himself on how sly he's been and, like, yes, I've done a great job of getting this secret letter to Catherine. Nobody saw that. nobody saw it. Catherine ruins it by going, what's this? And, like, just throws it on the floor. Oh, no. He gets annoyed and he's like, it's a letter from Nellie. But as soon as he says that, Hareton snatches it up and says, I'm giving this to my father because you're not supposed to have it. But she cries and then Hareton Ayrton gives it back to her. <laughs> yeah, so, but he's, when he's congratulating himself on this, he's like, hmm, no one saw me place that letter. Maybe she'll fall in love with me and then I'll take her back to uh, Thrushcross Grange and we can live happily ever after. Instead, she's like, get the shit away from me. Yeah, it's very funny. <laughs> so she talks to Lockwood about Nellie and then she doesn't say anything else. And he's like, why don't you tell me some more stuff so that I can pass on some news to her? She's like, look, I have no books. So here's the quote from him. He says, no books. How do you contrive to live here without them? If I may take the liberty to inquire, though provided with a large library, I'm frequently very dull at the Grange. Take my books away and I should be desperate. Which I'm like, okay, Lockwood, you're a nerd. You're an awkward nerd. (laughs) So Catherine knows that Hareton has been trying to teach himself how to read. Hareton has taken some of Kathy's books. God, I keep saying Kathy. Harrington has taken some of Catherine's books from her room for the purpose of learning to read and also because he admires her and he Mm -hmm. just wants to have, like, things that are hers near him. And she discovers this and calls him out for it and says, well, the reason I don't have any books anymore is because Harrington has taken them all and he's very embarrassed. No, Heathcliff's been taking... Heathcliff has taken all the books in the house away from her, even her personal books. Mm -hmm. But she finds out that Harrington had secretly snuck away a few of the books Heathcliff was going to take. That's right. So she didn't have them because of Heathcliff, but Hareton had been kind of taking them. Yeah, he took some of them and Mm -hmm. she she like very viciously mocks them Mm -hmm. or she viciously mocks him for not being able to read. Yeah, she says you're degrading these books by like trying to mis like pronounce everything in them and getting everything wrong. It's it's disgusting. Yeah. And he he returns the books to her and then she says like, I don't want them anymore because now I'm going to associate them with you. And then she takes them and starts reading them aloud and mocking him. And she, like, does it with multiple books, and he's getting angrier and angrier. And then he hits her and takes the books and throws them on the fire. And Lockwood doesn't do anything, really. (laughs) He just says, like, hey, we all had to learn how to read at some point. (laughs) (laughs) And he says poor Hareton is looking at these books in the flames, just thinking about all of the knowledge they could have brought him and all of the joy that Aww. they could have brought him and that they had brought him. And it's just really sad. Gosh. Yeah, that to me was a sadder part. Poor guy. But yeah, so he says basically like he says that Kathy, Kathy kept like uh, verbally assaulting him. And because Hareton was just so stupid and couldn't talk, he had to hit her because that's the only <gasps> thing he That's his only weapon, I guess, is what Lockwood is saying. So Heathcliff comes back and he says to Mr. Lockwood that Hareton reminds him of Kathy. He says, like, when I look at him, I don't even see her brother. I just, yeah, I just see her. Yeah. He he starts getting weirder and weirder, Heathcliff. Yeah. So then Lockwood's like, well, I'm leaving. And Heathcliff says, well, you still have to pay. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to pay. 
Okay, I'm going to pay everything. <laughs> he offers to pay him right then. And Heathcliff's like, no, 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 I believe you. You'll come back. You can pay the rest later. Don't worry about it. Come have dinner. Sorry, I wasn't going to mention this, but when you said that the fact that they have dinner, I mean, they have dinner, but Catherine doesn't join them. So it's just him and Heathcliff and Lockwood, or sorry, Lockwood and Heathcliff and Hareton just sitting there silently, not saying a thing. And he's like, I can't wait to get out of here. Wow. Yeah. This sucks. So then when he leaves, he thinks to himself, wow, this is a terrible place to live. It would be so great for Catherine if she married married me. She would have a much better life. Mm, probably true. <laughs> but he doesn't say anything about he it. He tries nothing. <laughs> he says nothing. Lockwood is, he's bad at love. Mm. Yeah. He's just like, man, she would really love marrying me. Yeah. Like maybe if I just think that a little louder, she'll hear it. So that's the end of chapter 31. So chapter 32, it's, it's been many months and Lockwood is hanging out with a friend and he realizes he is near Gimmerton, which is the town that was close to, you know, Thrushcross, Grange, and Wuthering Heights. And he says he's almost forgotten what it is. He's like, Gimmerton? What's that? It's been like a year since he's yeah. been there. And he's like, uh, Yeah. Well, I think it's only, I think it's actually only been a few months, like six months or something. Yeah. But somehow he's like, Oh, yeah, that's the town where I used to live oh, yeah. for a long time. <laughs> no, that's the place where that woman I fell in love with is. Yeah. That's the yeah. place where I sawed a ghost's wrist across a window pane. Oh, yeah. I almost forgot about that. Yeah. So he's like, well, hey, I am renting out an, a whole estate close by. Maybe I should stay there instead of renting a room in an inn. So I'll just go back to Thrushcross Grange. And he shows up, but Nellie is not there anymore. And there are a bunch of new servants there who he's never met before. And he's like, uh, it's me. I'm the master of the house. I'm going to stay here. And they freak out because they're like, you should have said something to us. Nothing is ready. <laughs> but so he's like, hey, you know, I don't need that much. I'm going to go hang out at Wuthering Heights while I wait for you guys to do your thing. I've heard that name before. That's true. So when he gets to Wuthering Heights, he notices like, oh, it's looking a little nicer than before. And he sees like mm -hmm. in some kind of remote part of the house, he hears that Catherine is giving Hareton reading lessons. And there are some lights on and the gate is open instead of being locked. And it's almost like a little more welcoming. Yes. And while he's spying creepily on the reading lessons, Catherine says to Hareton, okay, pronounce this word right. Sheesh, this is the third time. And he says, Whoa. well, will you give me a kiss? And she says, well, if you get it right, I'll give you a kiss. And Lockwood oh, no. is still watching. So then he gets the word right. And it says that she kissed him like five times. And then he also kissed her back like five times. Oh, no. And Lockwood is still watching. And then Lockwood watching. bursts in and says, I can pronounce that word too. Want to hear me pronounce it? <laughs> kiss me, please. I can't read. Can you teach me? <laughs> but it says something like, let me see if I can find the exact quote. Okay, here we go. So he talks about, he's like, it was lucky that Hareton couldn't see her face while he was trying to study because then he wouldn't have been able to keep studying. And he says, I could see it and I bit my lip in spite at having thrown away the chance I might have had of doing something Aww. besides staring at its smiting beauty. Which, why does he assume he could have gotten with her if he had tried? All the interaction she ever had with him, she didn't like him. Also, he didn't, like, he didn't have have a chance. Yeah, he didn't he, try. There was nothing he was throwing away. <laughs> they had banter? No, yeah. What? Strange choice of favor. Strange kind of cat. Oh, yeah. Strange choice of favor. Strange, strange kind, kind of cat. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird kind of cat, the dead rabbit kind. That's my least favorite yeah. kind of cat. Yeah. yeah. What's like the calmest, most low energy breed of cat? I want a really chill cat. 
Oh, a pile of dead rabbits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they need very little exercise and hardly any food. Yeah. yeah, so he says, like, he realizes, oh, they're about to go on a walk in the moor, so I realize that Hareton, his heart would damn me to the lowest pit of hell if I if he saw me then, so I snuck around back to the kitchen. I wonder if I'm shipping uh, Lockwood and Hareton at this point, because Lockwood shows up and is like, yeah, yeah, Catherine still looks good, but Hareton... <laughs> and he can read now? And he can read? <laughs> Double threat. Well, he doesn't say Hareton... Well, yeah. Yeah, she's right. We should ship him. <laughs> he talks about how hot they both are this time. Yeah. He says now that Hareton is dressed respectably and that his handsome features are glowing with pleasure hmm. and that his owner has like shining ringlets and her beauty is smiting and blah, blah, blah. So they're both just looking great. He says, Hareton, your literacy has improved. <gasps> yeah. um, you know, Lockwood's going up and looking in the window and it's been, you know, months and months since he's been there. Things have obviously changed quite a lot. What if he just happened to be looking in the window and she's like trying to teach him how to read? And this is like the first time this has ever happened. And he goes, well, if I pronounce this word right, can you give me a smooch? And then she just like. Like they'd never kissed before? Yeah, like they'd never kissed before. That was a totally inappropriate request. And like, that's what Mr. Lockwood pops up and sees. <laughs> and then he'd be like, it's my chance. It's my chance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, clearly they've been smooching up a storm and loving it. So he he sees, he says his old friend friend Nellie Dean apparently they're old friends now so he's talking to her and he's like oh hey yeah I'm here to pay Mr. Heathcliff or like to pay the master and she's like oh he won't be back for a while like what do you want and he says something about Heathcliff and she's like oh yeah him that Heathcliff yeah he's been dead for three months that's kind of a lack of empathy right like it didn't occur to her to just mention that Heathcliff was dead it's like surely everyone knows this surely it's obvious haven't you seen the the mush mixing together in the <laughs> ground over there couldn't you tell that was enough mush yeah. for two <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Enough mush for two. Okay, there's the episode title. Enough mush for two. There you go. Yeah. So he asks her, well, how did this happen? And she's like, let me tell you my tale. Oh, my gosh. Not again. And we start Wuthering Heights 2 all over again. So she tells her tale, which basically was that Catherine had been so lonely that instead of just sitting by herself, she started arguing with Joseph for fun about theology. She eventually also starts messing with Hareton again. And her heart has kind of softened, it seems, because she tries to become friendly with him. Him and she like wraps up a brand new book and some nice wrapping paper and gives it to him. She tries to give him a book and Nellie is kind of chiding Catherine a little bit saying, don't you think it was kind of mean of you to make fun of him for not knowing how to read? Catherine says, well, don't you think it was stupid of him to burn the books? And she was like, well, yeah, but still it was mean of you. And she goes, okay, well, maybe I was mean. So what if I what if I rectified things? Hareton, what if I gave you a book right now? And then she gave him a book that she had been reading, and he flung it to the floor and said, if you don't stop, I'll break your neck. And she goes, okay, well, no problem. I'll just, I'll just leave it here. <laughs> you take a look at it when you want to. <laughs> So, yeah, so she oh, sneakily tries to get him interested in reading again by she keeps saying, like, I'm going to leave a book here so you can have it. Like, go ahead and take it. And she, like, tells Nellie, let me know if he takes a book. And she keeps doing that, but he never takes it. She will read a book out loud. And then when she gets to an exciting part, she stops reading it and, like, <gasps> looks at him and leaves it there and goes away. But he just never he doesn't pick a book up again. Come on. I know. Come on, pick up a book. That's what you guys need to do with me. 
Yeah, if you guys just stopped right before the last chapter in this recording, I would probably read that. Yeah, ooh, we should try <laughs> well, that. Okay. Also, Hareton is our ideal audience. Like, he's the ideal Fire the Cannon audience member. Doesn't know how to read. <laughs> Doesn't know how to read. <laughs> really hot. <laughs> Hates books. If only he had been born in our time. I know. He wouldn't have been so miserable. And he wouldn't be able to touch any of our hair. Would you let him touch your hair, Theo? Uh, just a little poke. My blonde ringlets? Yeah. Yeah. The ones that you had as a as a baby. Oh yeah, I did have ones as a baby. Um a youngster, I guess. Um <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, you can touch my hair, whatever. <laughs> Lockwood would get jealous. Okay. So after she messes with him and it doesn't work, she decides that she's gonna just try like genuinely being nice to him. Okay. And just saying straightforwardly, like, look. Sorry. <laughs> Look, sorry I was the cruelest to you that anyone was ever to another person. She goes up to him and is very awkwardly like, Hareton, I found out that I want you to be my cousin now. <laughs> <laughs> she found out? Yeah, like, not that, like, I, you know, I decided I want to be friends with you. She's like, I, fa- I found out that I want to be your cousin. Okay. He was your cousin the whole time, girl. The real cousin was yeah. in front of you all Inside along. us all along. <laughs> no? <laughs> no. Well, well, soon. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh god! Theo like couldn't have seen this foreshadowing. They're kissing all the time. He thought they were gonna stop at kissing. <laughs> yeah, just friendly cousin kisses. Yeah. So she's apologizing and she's like, "I want you to be my cousin now." You know, all those times earlier when I called you stupid, I didn't mean anything by it. <laughs> yeah, you should have understood. <laughs> yeah, it was you know just a just a funny bit I was doing. And she's like, "Oh, you know," she's telling Nelly like, "Look, I'm trying to be nice, but he's the one who hates me." And he's uh-huh. like, "Are you kidding me?" I took your side against Heathcliff a hundred times and I got in big trouble. She's like, oh, I had no idea. Sorry about that. Here, let's shake hands. And he refuses to shake her hand. So she kisses him on the cheek. And Nellie's like, she thought I couldn't see, but I saw. Mm. And I'm telling you about it. Yeah, so she kisses him on the cheek and then he tor- he turns away. She wraps up a book for him that she's sitting in the same room and she's like wrapping it up and then she gives it to him. And like addresses it to him and ties a bow. <laughs> yeah, so she, she asks Nellie to, to give it to him and tell him, I'll teach you how to read. And if you don't accept that, then I'll just go upstairs and never bother you again. So both good options. Both good options for Hareton, yeah. And they pretty quickly become friends. He opens it and he seems really happy and she sits next to him and it's all resolved. And old vinegar Face Joseph really hates it. And he's like threatening to take the books away. And Catherine tells him, for every book of mine that you take away, I'm going to destroy your books in return. Nellie says that, look, it was hard for them to get along, but because one was loving and desiring to esteem and the other loving and desiring to be esteemed, they managed to get there. Then she says, look, it was easy enough to win Mrs. Heathcliff's heart, but now I'm glad you didn't even try because (laughs) when those two get married... Who I'm going to be the happiest woman in England. She says, see, you could have done it. It would have been extremely Very simple. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> Look how easy it was for this guy. Good thing you didn't do it, though. Yeah. Wow. I think that's so funny. All right. So in chapter 33, Nellie finds out that Catherine has gotten Hareton to dig up some of Joseph's berry bushes so she can plant flowers. And she's like, you need to be careful because he's going to tell on you to Heathcliff. Apparently, Joseph has been caring for these currant bushes for decades and loves them. Current? Uh, it's pronounced currant. I don't think so. 
That's what Joshua told me. A current. I used to pronounce it current, but then I was told it's current. He is our pronunciation consultant. Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> we have to believe He's what he says. He's done such a great job. Was that like episode one or something when we talked about that? Uh, yeah, because I blamed him for not being able to pronounce uh, some of the Odysseus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's Joshua, guys. He's our <laughs> pronunciation consultant. It's I have. Um, I mean, it's probably the most important role on the podcast. No, it's current. Oh shit! Ooh, I can't wait to tell Joshua he's wrong about that. He might be. Are you sure it wasn't like O current? What's O current? It means like of the moment. Oh, no. means like knowing what's up. Doesn't matter. Let's move on. Doesn't <laughs> matter. Let's move on. <laughs> Our pronunciation consultant strikes again. <laughs> I hate when he does this, though. He tells me how to pronounce something, and it turns out he's wrong. He's over two or whatever, over three. <laughs> okay, so bone to pick with him later. Here's okay. another thing he told me how to pronounce. Tell me if this is wrong. Um, oh gosh, no! I bet I bet then he's going to be right about this one, and I'm just going to look stupid. Penis. It's penis. <laughs> Yeah, that one I've always been confused about. No, he's saying, um, you know how like when you have like a, a book that like introduces a subject, I always called it a primer, but he says it's a primer. I think that's I think right. He's right though. about that one. I know. Yeah, that one's right. That's just British. I mean, there are two different meanings that have different pronunciations. Anywho, <sighs> Joseph has been caring for these bushes for a long time, and it's a, a very big deal that um, Catherine asked Hareton to dig them up. But because he's smitten with her, he does so. He's like, oh, I'll take the blame. Mm-hmm. So they're into each other. Yeah. When I, hey, ladies, get yourself a man who'll dig up a bush for you. <laughs> Even though an old man doesn't want him to. Get yourself somebody who's going to look at you the way Hareton looks at Catherine's hair. <laughs> <laughs> Get yourself someone who's going to look at you the way Harrington digs up a bush. (laughs) Sweatily and with great fervor. (laughs) Yeah. Or just when you want him to. (laughs) (laughs) Get yourself a man who looks at you when you want him to. Upon request. Yeah. (laughs) No other time. (laughs) All right. For another example of how close that Hareton and Catherine are getting, Catherine is, you know, just always like flirting with him. And Nellie says, Heathcliff's about to come back in here. You need to be careful and don't show him how affectionate you guys are getting with each other. So don't be too sweet to him. And she says, don't worry, I won't. Heathcliff Heathcliff comes in and she immediately commences sticking little flowers into his porridge and giggling. Hareton's porridge, not Heathcliff's. <laughs> and and certainly not Lockwood's porridge either. Yeah. She starts sticking um primroses into Hareton's food and that was her definition of like not being too affectionate, I guess. Yeah, and she keeps like trying to make him laugh by looking at him and making faces. First of all, that's a weird ass thing to do. It's I mean, they're edible. I don't want flowers in my porridge. I do. It's cute. And finally, Heathcliff hears Hareton laughing and he looks up and he looks at Catherine and he's like, hey, didn't I tell you not to laugh? And Hareton's like, oh, sorry, that was me. And Heathcliff can't believe it. I guess he's never laughed before. Like he can't tell the difference between an 18 year old girl and like a 24 year old man. He can't tell because he's Hareton has never, ever laughed. I guess he just thought, oh, Catherine, what a weird laugh she's got going on. What? Yeah. Hareton laughs. Heathcliff says, Catherine, Quit laughing. don't ever make that sound again. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, sorry. So at this point, Joseph comes in and he finds that his current bushes have been dug up and he goes on his longest, most vernacular rant yet. It's completely incomprehensible. All you know is that basically the narrator is like, then Joseph came in and he was mad about his bushes, but you would never really be able to tell that from what he says. 
It's just like this wall of Scottish text. And Heathcliff responds, now, now, idiot, cut it short. What's your grievance? If you're mad at Nellie, basically, fine. She can go ahead and kill you. I don't care anything about you. Nellie, if you're having an argument with Joseph, murder him already. I don't want to get involved. <laughs> yeah, he goes, no, 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 it's about the bushes. And he just like goes crazy again with the Scottish. And then at this point, Heathcliff's response is, is the fool drunk? Is it Hareton? Hareton? Is that who you're mad at? <laughs> yep. He's like, no. The bushes are dug up and Catherine's like, yeah, look, we wanted to plant some flowers. And he's getting mad. He's like, well, who who said that you could do anything about that? And who told you to listen to her? Catherine's like, look, you should let me plant some flowers because you took all my land and you took all of Hareton's land. And I'm going to tell him that you stole it all from him because we're friends now, which not mm, that smart of you to tell good. him that you're going to do that. Yeah. It's like you were doing so well at hiding your affection by putting the nasty flowers in his food. Yeah. <laughs> you're clearly messing with him. So Heathcliff gets really angry about this and he threatens Catherine. She says, if you strike me, then Hareton will strike you. Mm, so it's like a perpetual motion machine. Yeah. I'm imagining just like a triangle of punches just ongoing. <laughs> Eternal strikes. A feedback loop. Yeah. Heathcliff eventually calms down and kind of like smooths his hair back a little bit and says, you've really got to learn not to rile me up or I might really murder you one day. And in the text, it has a little exclamation point as though it's like a cute thing that he said. Yeah. <laughs> you know how I get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so after that, Catherine is talking to Hareton and she's like, can you believe this guy? He sucks. Why would he do that? And she's like, look, he stole your land and he stole my land and whatever. Nellie is relating this. She says, he said he wouldn't suffer a word to be uttered in his disparagement. If he were the devil, it didn't signify. He would stand by him. And he'd rather she would abuse himself as she used to than begin on Mr. Heathcliff. And Hareton asks her, like, how would you feel if I said something about your dad? So that's when Catherine realizes, like, oh, Okay, yeah, he just loves him. It's not a rational thing. No, like, it's totally irrational, and this is just how he feels. So from then on, she never says anything bad about Heathcliff to him again. Mm -hmm. Nellie says to the narrator that the two of them both have Kathy's eyes, and that's the only thing about Catherine that looks like her, but that Hareton really looks like Kathy a lot. And so when she's talking to Heathcliff later on, he says, basically, I could get such great revenge right now, but I don't even want revenge anymore. But it's not because I'm nice all of a sudden. It's because I just can't enjoy revenge right now, and I'm too lazy to get revenge without being able to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. It almost sounds like he's very depressed in the physical sense. Like, he can't rouse himself to anger or revenge or anything, and those were his favorite things. I know. He really <laughs> He's really those. lost pleasure in the yeah. things he enjoyed. And he's talking to her about how Hareton, how he agrees Hareton really, really looks like Kathy. And then he says, That, however, which you may suppose the most potent to arrest my imagination, is actually the least for what is not connected with her to me and what does not recall her. I cannot look down to this floor, but her features are shaped in the flags, in every cloud and every tree, filling the air at night and caught by glimpses in every object by day. I am surrounded with her image. The most ordinary faces of men and women, my own features, mock me with a resemblance. The entire world is a dreadful collection of memoranda that she did exist and that I have lost her. Yeah, who cares what Hareton looks like? Everything reminds me of Kathy. What a sad life he has. I know. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. He says to Nellie, here's the problem. I'm extremely healthy and I'm probably going to live until all my hair is gray, but I literally have to remind myself to keep taking breaths because otherwise I won't do it. It feels like a spring that has been really tightly wound. It's so hard for me to keep staying alive because I've just wanted to die for so long. That's the only thing I've wanted. Mm. And that's the end of that chapter. Gosh. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> you, should we stop there and Theo can read up on it? <laughs> read up on what? She's going to pull a Catherine. He joked that the way to get him to read a book is to oh. stop at the last All right, chapter. well, join us next time. <laughs> okay, wait. I, one thing I did want to say that I just thought about was, I'm assuming that Hareton looks like Kathy, not just to Heathcliff, but in general. Because, I mean, yeah. how do you think that feels to be Catherine? Like, I know she didn't know her mom, but looking at someone who looks just like your mom and being like, mm-hmm. Also, we have the exact same eyes. Well. That's the risky run when you marry two cousins in a row. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the other one looked like her dad. God, you're right. Ah. Ooh, now I like this a lot less. Okay. I, I think it's fine. She didn't know her mom. Mm-hmm. So, look, I don't encourage people to do this, but I'm not grossed out by it in the book. So, okay, so the next chapter, one night, Heathcliff goes outside and he doesn't come back all night. And the next morning, Catherine runs into him and then comes back and tells Nellie he seemed really happy. He was, she said he was, he looked almost glad. Actually, not almost. He was very much excited and wild and glad. And everyone is freaked out. Yeah. What's going on with this guy? He keeps being like, he had a smile, <laughs> so we were scared and ran away. <laughs> she he said that lately he hasn't been eating a lot. He's been eating like two meals a day and he comes in for lunch and he gets a plate and like piles it really high with food and he starts to eat it and then he stops eating it, stands up and then just goes outside. Mm-hmm. And that's that. And they like try to save the food for him and they say, hey, don't you want to eat this? And he's like, no, I, f- I feel hungry, but for some reason I can't eat. Mm-hmm. So I'll just eat later. So he tells Nellie, last night I was on the threshold of hell. Today I am within sight of my heaven. I have my eyes on it, hardly three feet to sever me. He's basically saying, I'm I'm about to die. I can tell I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And the first time that he disappeared from the house, I thought, oh, this is it. You know, when a, when a sick person disappears outside. He's like a cat. They just wander off to die. <laughs> well, it's the moors. I mean, it's, <laughs> you, you go outside and you and you're sick like you might not come back so i was like no that's the end of it but no he he keeps coming back and but at this point um he's back and nelly goes upstairs to go speak with him or to try to bring him food or make him eat or something and she finds him sitting and he's smiling to himself and kind of staring at nothing and she describes the smile as so terrifying that she flees (laughs) the room and won't go back in and like makes Joseph go back. Yeah, because he asks her to like light a lamp for him or something. So she sees Joseph and she's like, oh, Joseph Heathcliff said for you to go light his lamp. Yeah, because when she when she initially like lights up the flame and it illuminates this terrifying smile he has, she becomes very afraid. She's like, ah, and waves the candle and it goes out. This was a little this was a spooky passage to me because I was imagining like that just deranged smile and like not expecting to see it like that's spooky. Yeah, I feel like it was probably a regular smile, but they were just so freaked out by the contrast. Rachel hates Nellie. I don't hate Nellie. I think she's unreliable. She has other good qualities, though. 
as a narrator. Yeah, she's very talkative, very uh, good at listening and talking. So at this point, so she sends Joseph back in to do the thing. She goes to bed and she has a nightmare about what a pain in the ass it's going to be to plan Heathcliff's funeral after he dies because of the logistics. She says, we don't know what year he was born. We don't know his true first or last name. And she just keeps thinking about how this is going to be so irritating to have to find someone to etch a headstone when they don't have that information. Seems like it should be easier. (laughs) Is there less to etch? Yeah. (laughs) Right, like just question mark to now. Yeah. Yeah. But so she (laughs) just has this nightmare about how it's going to be really inconvenient for her to have to plan his funeral. Yeah. And she says that the gravestone does just say Heathcliff and the date of his death, which seems like it was not that big of a deal. But so (laughs) later she sees Heathcliff Heathcliff and she says, Don't for God's sake stare as if you saw an unearthly vision. That's Theo. And he's like, Don't for God's sake talk to me right now. <laughs> he just keeps saying, like, please, nobody talk to me. I'm having such a good time by myself. Everyone, please leave me alone. <laughs> he says to Nelly, Do you see anyone else here? Are we alone right now? And she's like, Uh yes, there's no one here. And he's like, Are you sure? And his eyes are tracking something that's moving around the room. Whoa. And all night she hears him. She keeps hearing him say the name Catherine and like calling her his darling. And like he's clearly having a conversation with Kathy, the woman he loved, not Catherine. Yeah. So then when she's talking to him, she's like, hey, what if we got a priest to talk to you about your soul? (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? And he's like, nah, no worries. She said, well, what if you're not able to be buried in the churchyard because you're unconsecrated? And he says, well, if I'm not, you're going to have to secretly dig me up and bury me next to Kathy or else I'm going to haunt you. (laughs) Simple solution. Yeah. Like, do this or else. (laughs) He doesn't even argue with her. It's it's like he had this plan B in the back of his head the whole time. Like, oh, well, Nelly, you're going to do it. You're going to have to carry my dead body. Right. Anyway, (laughs) soon after she finds him dead, the windows open and there's like rain washing in on him. But she seems she thinks that he like meets her eyes with like a very intent glare and that he's smiling at her and she freaks out and she wants to like she tries to close his eyes and like fix his mouth, but she can't. (laughs) (laughs) And when Joseph sees him, he's like, ugh, gross. How dare he smile while he's dead? And then he makes fun of him (laughs) and like mocks his little like death mask face. Like Joseph, what? Yeah. Joseph is always so concerned about propriety and respect the dead. Well, he's like, oh, the devil got him, I guess. Yeah. yeah. You can tell because he looks like this. Yeah. So everyone else is so freaked out by his expression that they don't want to touch him, but Hareton cries and kisses his face and stays with him all night long and like hugs him and it's very sad. They do end up burying him in the churchyard on the other side of Kathy. Aww. So he got what he wanted. Nellie didn't have to get haunted. Don't you think it would have been a great sequel though? Like she set us up for like a plot hole. A heist. Like, and then like at the end and Nellie goes and realizes, oh my God, they buried him away from Kathy. Oh, credits roll. Would have been good. But luckily, it wasn't set up for a sequel because Emily died. Well, or it was, and Charlotte edited it so that it would be uh, oh, wrapped yeah. up in a neat little bow. So Nellie says, yeah, the people in the town, they still say that they see Heathcliff walking around. Like, personally, I don't believe in ghosts, but everyone says they see him walking around with a woman or like sitting and hanging out with a woman. And the other day I saw a little shepherd boy with his sheep and he and the sheep refused to move along the path because they said they saw Mr. Heathcliff with a lady. She's like, but I don't believe in ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's cute. They're walking around in the afterlife together. Aw, interdimensional relationship. Not in the afterlife, in the purgatory. This, I mean, I guess isn't, yeah, like currently they're just walking around. That's fine, though. They get to be together. It doesn't matter where they are. I I think it's afterlife. It is afterlife. That's true. I, I guess I'm saying I wouldn't say if I was somewhere, if there was a ghost behind me, I wouldn't be like the ghost is in the afterlife. I would be like the ghost is in my room. The ghost is. Well. Yeah. Okay. I think of the afterlife as a time. Yeah. All right. I guess I think of it as a place. I guess you do. Yes, I do. Theo, <laughs> um, what do you think of it as? I think of my room as a time. <laughs> I think of 11 p.m. as a place. Whoa. Hmm. Now we've got all the combinations. Okay, so Lockwood sees that the two youngsters are about to come back in the house and he's like, oh, I can't bear to see them together. So he decides to run away. And Nellie's like, whoa, you're being kind of rude. But so he pays her and vinegar old Joseph, old vinegar, vinegar old Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> he pays them a lot, like gives them quite a valuable coin and then just runs away. I can't bear to see this girl that I met twice with this other guy. Yeah, because she's so hot. And he's so hot. On his way out of town, he sees... The three graves together. He looks for them and finds them. And he says, The middle one is gray and half buried in the heath. Edgar Linton's only harmonized by the turf and moss creeping up its foot. Heathcliff's still bare. I lingered round them under that benign sky, watched the moths fluttering among the heath and harebells, listened to the soft wind breathing through the grass, and wondered how anyone could ever imagine unquiet slumbers for the sleepers in that quiet earth. And then he takes a little lock of hair from his head. And he puts it into Kathy's locket. Mixes it in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. So that's the end of the book. Imagine this locket's just bursting with hair at this point. (laughs) Stuffed to the gills. Just one hair from each person on earth. Each of our listeners. If you pay us a certain amount, we'll put your hair in our death locket. Oh, my gosh. That is great. (gasps) That is classy. Wait, but who gets the death locket? Whoever dies. Oh. No, we each get a little part of it. Oh, nice. Does that, did they make any, like, three-part friendship necklaces or something? That can hold hair inside? Yeah, I guess it can just be a really long necklace, and we can just have a single plot for the three of us whenever we die. Ooh, and it can be—the necklace can basically be made out like of hair. Like a scarf. Yeah. Yeah, like, a hair, like a hair necklace. Ooh, yeah. like a hair Ooh. necklace. Is that a thing? Because it sounds horrifying. It is now. So let's talk about our thoughts. Okay. Okay. Theo, you want to go first, or you need Jackie? Can't to go we talk first, about our feelings? No, you said you'd have one hot take for per episode. So, what's your hot yeah. take? I think I had a lot of hot takes this episode. I was averaging oh, I'm better. Sorry, Theo. Did I though? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, why? Ooh, it... he thought it was a hot take, but unfortunately, it was a pile of dead rabbits. Unlucky. Oh, how unlucky! <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know if anybody else has hot takes. I'm willing to hear them. <laughs> Go ahead, Jackie. His lugs are open. Okay. Straight to my lugs from yours. Ooh, nope, that's not how this works. That is how I thought secrets were told when I was a little kid. I would put my ear to someone else's ear and then whisper. Really? <laughs> yeah, I did. I got, I was always confused about how that should happen. <laughs> that's interesting because no one does it that way. Like, where did you see that? It's not that I saw it. It's that I thought in order to transmit a secret to another person, your ears need to be touching. Mm. Just as a very tiny kid, that's just what I thought you were supposed to do. Interesting. So when I said from my lugs to yours, that's a little bit of my childhood confusion coming back, I guess. Oh, yeah. We used to (laughs) stick our heads together and have a third person whisper and see if the person on the other side could hear. Like if it would go through the ears, but it didn't. We haven't found anybody dumb enough yet. Oh, 
That's kind of cool. I know. Okay, Theo likes mine. <laughs> <laughs> Try it with a pre-reading hair tin. Nothing in there. Just go straight through. Yeah, there is stuff inside the head. Um, Jackie, do you have any hot takes? Um, yeah, okay. So what's the point of this book? It's just a good book. What, what do you mean, what's the point? It's about the Industrial Revolution, <laughs> yeah. obviously. It's man versus nature. <laughs> yeah. No, I liked this book. Um, I Like I said, I liked it a lot better the second time that I read it. I appreciated the prose a lot more, and I also understood the dialogue a lot better, although in some places, obviously, I still didn't quite get it. But what was the point that Emily was trying to make with this book? Do, does there have to be a point? You know, like if we were in English class and they were like, what are the themes? Love. I think that's <laughs> why... People didn't get it at first because they were saying there needs to be a moral lesson and they were mad that there wasn't one. And that's also why Charlotte was saying, I'm not sure if if this character ever should have been written because there's nothing redeeming about him except his love. Right. The thing is, love is messy. Love is complicated. Love love in all of its forms. It doesn't make things nice. It ruins everything. Yeah. It breaks your heart. It's just like that great (laughs) speech that, um, oh, what's his name, gave. But yeah, I think you can't say you love love in all of its forms if you don't love this love, whoever I'm mad at right now. <laughs> Jackie. Oh, it's Jackie. It's 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 lowest form. No. I'm just kidding. No, no, no. I mean, okay, I, I was thinking about like what would have happened if Heathcliff and Kathy had gotten together? Like, would they have had a normal happy life or would they have just been like two tornadoes circling each other and constantly causing chaos. I think mm-hmm. they would have had a happy life, but it wouldn't have been normal. It would have been abnormal. Happy and abnormal. Well, that's the yeah. best kind. Yeah, it would have been great. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think it's just an extremely exaggerated version of what probably happens to lots of people yeah. where they, like, wanted to be with a certain person, but then because of whatever in society, they're like, oh, I guess I'm not going to do that, and then blah, blah, blah. And then the- person they love gets revenge intergenerational revenge yeah next thing you know you're a ghost getting your wrists sawed off (laughs) in a window so the moral of the story is stick with the person you want to be with and nobody has to turn into any ghosts also another moral there's always time in the afterlife you didn't do what you wanted to do in life yeah maybe you'll be walking around with that lucky lady once you're dead I do love how everybody at the end is like, I keep seeing Heathcliff walking around with some lady. Like, why don't they just say it's yeah. Kathy? It's clearly Kathy. Like, it's not It's not Edgar. What if Edgar, what if, oh God, what if Edgar's out there too? And he's just like. <laughs> he probably is. No, he's probably in heaven. Oh, you think so? Yeah, sorry. But that's what makes it even better. So I, I think my favorite part of the whole book was when Kathy was describing her dream about going to heaven and realizing she didn't belong there. And she also described another dream at a different point that we didn't talk about, but it was about um, waking up or, or dreaming that she woke up and realizing that she was married to Edgar and she wasn't married to Heathcliff and just this like overwhelming grief at that. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh man, that's so sad and so powerful. Mm-hmm. That's why it's good that they're walking around in the afterlife together or at the afterlife, whatever you think <laughs> the afterlife is. Yeah. yeah. Because she didn't want to go to heaven. Yeah. Neither of them want to be in heaven or hell without the other one. Honestly, if that is what I could do, if I could just walk around on earth with like some people I liked, I wouldn't care about going to heaven. You mean your true love? Well, I mean. <laughs> yeah, he walks around forever with like hair tin. <laughs> Marmalade. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's a cat, Rachel. His roommate's cat, Marmalade. So I'm a little bit glad that she married Edgar because he was a really nice guy 
He really liked no, her. I'm not glad about that. <laughs> but it would be better if he had never met her at all and could have just married a normal woman. That would be best. That would be awesome. <laughs> okay, and that was the other thing I thought about. Like, no reason at all why Mr. Earnshaw went to Liverpool and brought home this kid. If he hadn't done that, Kathy and Edgar Linton would have gotten married. Everything would have been fine because they were probably going to get together regardless anyway. Yeah. And she would have had no trouble, like like you said, like synthesizing her wild half and her yeah. other half. Or if they had just not gotten caught when they were peeking in and making fun of those crybabies. Yeah, or if that dog had just bitten Heathcliff's leg instead of Kathy's, everything could have been different. This is the butterfly effect. So different. I just hope something interesting happens to Lockwood at some point in his life. Because he heard about a lot of really interesting stuff. (laughs) Many interesting (laughs) things have happened to Lockwood. He meets a woman, loves her, fucks it up, and that's it. And then runs <laughs> away and hears about something really interesting. Yeah. Moves I to do a think whole new he, town. He is a narrator who almost does nothing. The only thing he does is pass that note on, basically. He has so little import to the story. He doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. It's very funny. But we just love him. You can't help it. And it seems like he knows. Like He realizes he's a side character, 100%. Yeah, I'm, I'm a side character. He's literally <laughs> watching people through a window, not participating, thinking like, oh, I wish I could be in the action. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> look at those main characters. Yeah. They're both so hot and nobody knows what I look like at all. He's not even described. <laughs> yeah. It's very funny. I think that that would be a very cute movie adaptation if they made a movie yeah. about the second half, I guess. I, it would be hard to... I don't think you could adapt this into one movie. I think you'd have to do a two-movie thing or a mini series. Mm-hmm. But I looked up adaptations and none of them seem to have been amazing. Yeah. But the worst oh, one... Oh, you've never played the video game. That's true. The worst one is a Lifetime movie called Wuthering High School. Huh. <laughs> is there like a, a rival high school called like Thrush Cross High? Yeah. <laughs> so here's the synopsis. This Wuthering Heights Lifetime movie adaptation reimagines the story of Kathy and Heathcliff in California and between two high school students. A high school teen, Heath, is adopted by the wealthy and prominent Earnshaw family and begins a romantic relationship with his new stepsister. Ew. The basic premise of Wuthering Heights <laughs> is there, but the modern age is the worst rated adaptation according to IMDb. Aw. Yeah, that makes it much creepier when it's modern. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're like, there are other kids you could be interested in. Yeah. Um, Okay. So question. Um, Yes. (laughs) So, you know, when I do these little uh, videos about people's reviews of Wuthering Heights, it seems like people have a really hard time understanding that it's okay to write a character who's not likable. (laughs) Every single person is like, these people are terrible. Why would anyone want to read this? My question is, why would you want to read a book about like good people? I want to read about happy things. Sometimes I like to read books about good people, but not all the time. But something, but that, there has to be a problem at some point. Like that is a really a really bad tendency that people have these days. If you look on Twitter, is conflating what the characters do with like the author's what the author opinion yeah. of what's are. good. Yeah, yeah and also yeah. thinking like. All characters have to be good people. Like the main characters have to be or else it's a bad mm-hmm. book. And I don't I don't want to say it's only a modern thing because, you know, there used to be all those books where they're like, it literally has to have a Christian lesson or else yeah. it's not going to sell. So it's not entirely new. But but now it's more about the personality of the characters, which almost feels more oppressive, I think. 
Yeah. I mean, I feel bad for writers, but yeah, I do see a lot of reviews where people say that. And I'm kind of thinking if you don't enjoy a book, I think it's fine to give it a bad rating. And maybe you just don't enjoy books where people are bad. Yeah. But you shouldn't say I'm giving it a bad rating because they're bad. It has to just be, look, this rating is purely based on my enjoyment and I didn't like it. I also wonder what ca- what uh, Charlotte Bronte meant when she said, I don't think this character should have been written or perhaps he shouldn't have been written. Is she worried that he was going to like form a like a like a bad influence on other people? Or what did she think was going to happen as a result of Heathcliff existing? Apparently people were disturbed. Remember, were you disturbed? I was fine. I th- it's like kind of a gothic horror novel. I mean, it's funny, but yeah, I definitely there were points where I was disturbed. Really? You were disturbed? Uh, you, were you not disturbed at the scraping of the wrist on the window and the I got disturbed at like the creepy smile that he did and like the description of his death. I I wasn't disturbed like, imagine. "Oh, I'm not okay." The wrist part grossed me out. The smile I was totally fine with. I was like, good for him. He died happy. But uh, I don't know. I, just a guy who yeah, was like... you had different opinions of the deaths in this book. All of them, you're like, this was happy. And all of them, I'm like, this I was I mean, sad. you agreed that the first one we disagreed about, I was correct. Uh, yeah, you might be, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> I I yeah, got a feeling yeah. of sadness from them. Like, I mean, it's sad when people die. But when I say someone has a happy death, I'm not like, death is good now. I'm like, you're yeah, you got to die. But um, I mean, I, I don't... I liked the book a lot. I thought it was great. Yeah, same. I'm surprised. I was actually expecting not to like it. Mm-hmm. So, Theo, you read, like, the first—when did you stop reading it? Like, do you remember at what point? Probably chapter two. So, yeah, I know you got tired of hearing about the estates. <laughs> do you think you could get past that at some point and, like, go back to it? Are you interested in ever reading any of this? That's just my general feeling about anything about England. I think you've got to get past it because sometimes they're going to name the houses. Okay, but I don't care about, like, rich people, like, being like, oh, we have manners that we have to uphold. Just come on. Just learn to love each other. So, this is not like Pride and Prejudice at all. Like, this is yeah, not wildly off the rails. Like, you would like this much more. It's not anywhere near as fun. Funny, though that's the thing based on how you yeah. described it i do think i like the proportions of mystical stuff and real world drama <laughs> yeah that was part of what kept surprising me in this book because i was kind of expecting something not i wasn't expecting pride and prejudice at all but i was expecting there to be a lot of decorum and a lot of like you know little things you have to uphold and things that you know you're supposed to say and things you know you're supposed to not say but the people in this book really don't abide by that like the servants are very forthcoming even sometimes abusive to their own masters. Like hmm. people are throwing applesauce in each other's faces and punching each other in the throat. And like everyone's rude. Everyone's, everyone's rude, but everybody's just letting their emotions take hold of them. And it has nothing to do with like polite society. Right. So I don't think this is one of those like rich people books you wouldn't be interested in. Hmm. Well, I do think this is the kind of thing that there's some teens who would just get obsessed with it. I don't think most teens could have could understand it to be honest they would need my copy that tells you the translation of what joseph is saying (laughs) that's the key to understanding the whole story (laughs) seriously like apart from that it's very i found it very easy to understand but i did frequently have to look at the joseph translations i don't know do you think as a teenager you understood it equally as well yeah i just wasn't into it Mm. i personally at the time that i was a teen i i was very much like get over yourselves whatever I know. I didn't love love in all of its forms yet. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. But now I do. Yeah. So let's just let's just wrap it up. I think so. We all pretty much liked the book. I think we're all going to fire it out of the canon. Um, <laughs> what? You don't think so? You just said we all liked it. You have no desire to fire it out of the canon, even though you liked it. 
Sometimes it's just good to tear things down, reimagine <laughs> what the canon can be. Theo said, we all like the book and we're all going to fire it out of the canon. Uh, I vote no. I'm not going to fire it. I think it's a good book. I do think it's one where, like I said, I don't think every teen would like it, but I do think a lot of people should read it. I just don't know at what point in their life. Yeah, I think people should read it, but I I truly can't say why I think that. Because it's a secret? It's good. It's a good... Yeah, I think just because it's good. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody should read it. At least the first chapter. (laughs) At least till they get to the pile of dead rabbits. Yeah. Then you can sort of dip out. Yeah. Just listen to our episodes. Well, Rachel, can you think of other similarly good examples of star-crossed loves that end in tragedy other than Romeo and Juliet or like other Shakespearean characters? I mean, because I think what's most important about like understanding this part of the canon is the type of relationship that they have and how love can be damaging or how the the powerful feelings can result in awful things happening. Yeah. What are some but other examples? it's not examples? tragic. I'm sorry. It's not like Romeo and Juliet where it's like, it's all leading to one bad thing. Like it actually has a pretty happy ending. Yeah. I mean, if by happy you mean like the two lovers never get together and one of them just spends the rest of his days wishing to die and then they become ghosts. They are ghosts and they're together. That's yeah, huge. Yeah, Jackie. <laughs> That's huge. <laughs> are you kidding That would be amazing if you could say like... I mean, The Great Gatsby. Yeah, think about those ghosts. No, I I haven't read it. No, there's no ghosts. Theo's just really excited about the idea of being ghosts. Like, I think he's just discovered something he wants to do. Well, if you're able to like... If there was something that you never managed to do in your lifetime and you can just be... Hug a a snake. (laughs) Sure. And then you can just be a ghost and do it. That is a very happy ending. Have your cake and be a ghost with it too. Yeah. Have your snake and hug it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think The Great Gatsby is another example, but that one's more about like the dangers of social climbing or whatever. Yeah. What about uh, Great Expectations? Uh, don't they end up happily? What she wears her wedding dress all the time and just cries. She's a side character. Miss Havisham? Yeah, she's not the star of Great Expectations. I think of Miss Havisham way more than I think of Pip and Stella. Well, atonement. Atonement That's is. An example. Oh. Oh my God, that movie You're just me. trying to make me make you cry so you can get mad. <laughs> yeah, I just need some catharsis. I was really hoping you would uh, be my therapist by just forcing me to cry about atonement. Anna Karenina. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So good, good examples of other things that are like this in the canon and have similar ideas. And they're not really trying to teach you anything in particular in some cases. I think it's yeah. okay to not be taught things. It's okay to just enjoy some yeah, creepy gothic podcast, literature. For example. You're right. <laughs> it's okay to not enjoy producing our podcast and hoping against hope that the afterlife will hold something different for you. Yeah. So my dad actually said he really liked Wuthering Heights when he read it. And I would recommend that more people read it. I would also recommend that they make a better movie adaptation or like a miniseries. There needs to be a definitive miniseries because, ooh, I would love to see an adaptation of this that's good and covers the whole thing and doesn't have a white guy as Heathcliff. All right. um, Do we have any housekeeping? So if you guys would like to join in on this big old family pile of mush, send us an email at firethecanonpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to join our face mush group, that is Fire the Cannon Podcast, Twitmush, Instamush, Fire the Cannon Pod. And if you would like to join our Patreon and give us a little bit of money in exchange for being included in our mass grave, um, getting a portion of our estates, 
marrying one of our children and then uh, damning them to ruin. Patreon.com slash firethecanon. Canon is spelled C-A-N-O-N. And we really hope that you enjoyed. Nice. Well, we got to say the sign-off. What's the sign-off? Good night. Turn we're an angel. Good night. We're angels. Now, maybe this maybe this episode's sign-off should be, behold, as we turn into mush and combine into one. Could you shorten that? Okay, ready? <laughs> then we have to do one, it, which is annoying. <laughs> one, two, three. Behold, behold as, as we, we turn, turn into mush. mush. And combine, combine into one. one. Oh, into one. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> combine as one. <laughs> All right. So come back next week to see if we've dissolved into one pile of bones <laughs> or if we're still three separate podcast people. Yeah. Pod- I would have said hosts, but I knew Theo would get mad. Fully formed podcasters. Yes. Okay. Goodbye, Nellie. Nellies. Bye all you Nellies out there.